The band is back together. We got so much to touch on from the last just few days, let alone the last couple weeks while I was gone. We'll break it all down on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooner. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooner Nation. Welcome to Locked On Sooners Live. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. For your second listen, make sure you go check out one of the other great Locked On podcasts across the network, Locked On Thunder, Locked On Mavs, for all your NBA Summer League action. My name is John Williams. I'm back. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. This is Josh Helmer, my buddy here, who's been holding it down for the nearly two weeks I've been gone. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And Josh, let's start with what's been going down most recently over the last couple of days. A flurry of predictions have come in favoring the Oklahoma Sooners for several prospects. Let's just start with the big dog up top, the guy that is now the number one prospect in the on 300 rankings. That is Williams Nguyenary. This recruiting prediction comes from an Indiana insider. Okay. Now, when it's Georgia and Oklahoma recruiting analysts going back and forth with predictions and and reporting on who's in the lead, who's the favorite, okay, it means something. But then when you get this random kind of snowball lofted from up in the Hoosier State talking about where williams area is going to land, it makes you take notice, Josh. Sure it does. And I think I've said this on a couple of the recruitments actually while – while you were out and about, or uh, you know, the last couple of shows when you were here, we've said it before. We'll say it again. When it's not an Oklahoma insider, you know, look uh, again. It, you know, you put a lot of stock into what Colin Kennedy says. You put a lot of stock into what Parker Thune says. You put a lot of stock into what Brandon Drum and Josh McQuistion say. And and those are going to be probably always the first antennas that go off. But then all of a sudden when you've got an Indiana reporter and you've got a Texas reporter and you've got a Clemson reporter and I'm now I'm just spouting off different names. These don't even necessarily apply, but the Indiana one does, but you catch my drift when it starts coming from other places that aren't on and directly located within the Oklahoma beat. Yeah. That that's a pretty telltale sign typically in recruitments. Yeah. And I had a, I had a person ask this question on the locked on centers Twitter account. So the, the latest prediction comes from rivals, uh, Alec Busey. I hope he's, I'm pronouncing that name correctly, uh, that covers Indiana recruiting for rivals. And they, somebody on Twitter asked me this question as I was managing the locked on centers Twitter account, go follow it. If you don't, what would he know? You know, and, and my question and really my response was a lot of times these guys, they cover recruiting for a particular region. We talk with Brian Smith here on the Locked On Network. He's very in tune with what goes on down in the Southeast. That's where he's based. That's where he's located. That's his ball game. He knows what's going on down there. The same could be said for a guy like Alec Busey, who is located in the upper Midwest in Indiana, probably has some pretty good relationships with what's going on in the Midwest, if not with Williams Nunnery himself, at least with the coaching staff, a lot of guys that are, are at least close to him. So he's got reason to probably have some inside information or at least some, some intuition as to how this is going. And it's a guy that's probably going to be in, you know, similar, um, discussions for a lot of the guys that would be ended up at Notre Dame or Michigan, things like that, just because it's going to be Oklahoma. It doesn't change that maybe Alec Busey has a little bit of insider information because again, Kansas or sorry, Kansas city, Missouri, that's a, a, a Midwest state that Alec probably has at least a lot of ties to. So yeah, an Indiana insider, it's not Oklahoma. It's not Georgia. Now when that Georgia you know, recruiting prediction comes in because one of my guys over at Sooners Wire made this point of all the Georgia buzz. We've not seen a crystal ball from Georgia riders, a rivals future cast, an on three prediction from a Georgia, you know, rider. So you can say what you want about all the Georgia buzz, but they've yet to drop those predictions in. So they're not feeling a hundred percent confident yet that Nguyen is ended up a bulldog. So it is telling when an Indiana insider 
has something to say in the recruitment because these guys don't often, and we'll talk about another one, you know, here in a second with the, with one of the wide receiver targets, Oklahoma's after these guys aren't just throwing predictions out willy nilly. I know a lot of times it can seem that way and we might think it's that, but no, these guys, they want to maintain a reputation that, that shows that, Hey, yes, we know what we're talking about. We're not just throwing predictions up against the wall and hoping they stick. So Alec Busey from Indiana rivals, sharing prediction for Nguyenary, I think that that is a telltale sign that Oklahoma is still very much the very much the favorite uh, for Williams Nguyenary. Well, I mean, I, I think you nailed it with a lot of that, that probably connected to folks across the rivals network or, uh, you know, whether that's a, a regional recruiting director, somebody that uh, is uh, connected to the Kansas City metro area or just, you know, even beyond that in just uh, sort of the, the northern region of the United States. Or if just the, the individual himself is connected to the KC uh, metro area uh, with, with a lot of these recruits that they, they keep up with or coaches in that area. So, yeah, I mean. Look, uh, could it be something that you're connected with a, a Parker Thune or Brandon Drum too? Yeah, but even that's uh, you know pretty telling if the argument's that convincing from somebody that you're ready to go ahead and attach your name to it in the form of a rival's future cast. So in, in everything that we keep hearing, John, is that, yeah, there's legitimate momentum in terms of Oklahoma here for williams And Who was it, Wilt Fong or somebody put out there today that uh, I think it was Wilt Fong that – thought initially that Georgia had made a really strong impression on Williams Winery for the, the June visit, but that really it didn't, didn't last as long as maybe he was expecting or didn't have that lasting impact the way that he was expecting and basically thinks it's Oklahoma and Missouri right now for, for Williams Winery. And I got to tell you, you know, obviously you worry about the, the home field advantage in a recruitment, but I like Oklahoma's chances if it's Oklahoma, Missouri in a recruiting battle, John. It seems like it's been Oklahoma for quite some time. You know, the Georgia buzz, a lot of that just came out of his official visit. And then that impromptu visit where he was down in Atlanta and they said, hey, come on by, just come by Athens and check it out, you know, for another unofficial. A lot of times that buzz comes when a guy comes to town. And again, I I talk to my guys all the time and I've said it on Twitter, like, find me the prospect that's going to say something negative about a visit. You very rarely see that, right? You very rarely hear a prospect talk down about an official visit, unofficial visit, about a coaching staff. One, that's just good business sense. You don't want to talk bad about a potential, you know, future employer, quote unquote employer. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a reason why there was so much buzz coming out of Georgia because I'm sure he did enjoy his time. I'm sure he did, you know, have a good visit with Kirby smart and under, you know, get an understanding of how they're going to use utilize him. But for months, for months, not just for a brief moment in this recruitment, but for months, it's been Oklahoma that has been out in the lead for one of the best prospects. And according to on three, the very best prospect in the 2024 recruiting cycle. So I think all of that is very telling it. Yeah. I mean, Missouri is going to have a puncher's chance in this always because the close to home thing is a factor. According to the guys that are in the know, the Parker Thunes, the Brandon Jones, they, you know, being close to home, being close to Lee Summit North, that matters to Williams Nonary and his family. Oklahoma's not that far. I mean, Missouri is not that far. So that's going to be a part of it at the same time. Again, Oklahoma's been out in front of this. Now they just got to not trip up in the final hundred meters of the stretch. As it looks like, according to, uh, you know, Wilt Fong's story earlier today, he's going to commit on August 1st, whether that holds up or not, or he pushes that back out to signing day. We'll see. Uh, but it, it's huge that Oklahoma, you know, is continuing to get predictions for Williams Winery and seemingly according to Wilt Fong still way out in front of Georgia. If you're out in front of Georgia for any defensive commit or e- any defensive prospect, that matters. Who's done it better than Georgia defensively over the last few years? Nobody. And so if you're able to win out on a defensive recruiting battle, man, that that's that's huge for Brent Venables, for uh, Miguel Chavis, for Todd Bates, for Ted Roof, for all those guys. Man, that's a big, big win for them. We got more recruiting predictions to, to discuss and dissect here after I talk to you all about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, man incredibly comfortable shorts i've just been on a 13 day road trip with the family 
three or 2,997 miles driving through the Southwest, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona, Las Vegas, Nevada, spending time in some 110, 114 degree heat. What was I wearing? My bird dogs, man. They were so comfortable, comfortable in the drive, comfortable poolside, comfortable, you know, rolling around Santa Fe, rolling around Flagstaff, Las Vegas. It didn't matter, man. Completely comfortable. They have this great wicking material that keeps you cool, keeps you dry, and keeps you looking good and looking fit at the same time. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. Make sure you get that free Yeti style tumbler from our friends over at Bird Dog. But man, some great, great clothes over there as well. Birddogs.com slash locked on college today. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Other recruiting predictions, Josh. Let's talk the next one, the one that's probably the most, um, or the next commitment that could happen uh, on this front as far as commitment dates are concerned. Although I think Casey Poe might be committing before Taylor Tatum, but maybe Taylor Tatum is maybe the next Oklahoma Sooner. Number one running back, the now five-star running back in the 247 Sports Composite, uh, received a couple predictions over the last couple of days. Uh, One from, I can't remember who it was now, but, uh, oh, a Josh. I'm so out of sorts, guys. This is my first time recording in several weeks. Um, Josh. Wait for it. Yeah, wait for it. He's not not Josh Helmer. He's Josh Newberg, a on-three... national host and then another one from a texas insider again we talk about anytime it's outside of the recruiting battle it matters this one's coming from a texas insider josh wells so all the josh is getting in on taylor tatum huge man taylor tatum commits on the 21st but two more predictions that favor the sooners i know the usc fans are going to be in the mentions later on down the road talking about why would anybody want to go to oklahoma and it's going to be usc but all these predictions that continue to pump out in favor of Oklahoma for Taylor Tatum, again, it matters. And it looks like the Sooners are, are dead set. They're heading straight to the finish line in a recruitment that is going to be another big win for DeMarco Murray. So got plenty to say about Taylor Tatum and some of these upcoming dates. If I can swing back just real quick, a, a final thought on williams Winery. Uh, you think about Devon Mitchell, who you just got a – commitment from and who did you beat out in terms of that commitment john well you this could be back-to-back recruitments if you start thinking about tatum where all of a sudden uh, later in the process you beat usc and uh, obviously for taylor tatum it's it's oklahoma and uh, usc for the decision so that that part's pretty sweet but bigger than that larger than uh, you know any hatred or you know lingering dislike for lincoln riley or usc you beat Miami and you beat Alabama for Devon Mitchell. And for Winery, who are you potentially going to beat? You're potentially going to beat Georgia. So what have we sat here on so many different occasions and said about Oklahoma and their ability to go track down number eight, to be a serious factor, to, to, to get that, to go win a national championship? Or even, okay, let's, let's go goal by goal, right? to be a serious factor in the SEC, to go win a a conference championship there, and then to go track down number eight. Well, probably you're going to have to beat Alabama and Georgia on the recruiting trail. And here in a couple of high-profile recruitments, you've already done it with Devon Mitchell, uh, tight end, big-time position of need, huge recruiting win there for Joe John Finley. And for Winery, for Miguel Chavis, for Brent Venables, for this staff, if you can pull that off, I mean, John, this is – and then you start talking about stacking, right, where you had P.J. Adabare in the class before it. And who knows who comes I, – I mean, who comes with a a Williams-Winary and a David Stone. I mean, it's starting to feel pretty pretty good 
for Oklahoma. I know, I know that we kind of along the process, I think have been confident for Oklahoma, John, but now it feels more likely than ever that each of those two names will be a part of this class for OU. And oh, by the way, okay, now we swing back into Mr. Taylor Tatum, who is widely regarded as the top running back in this class. John, this thing is, again, turning itself into, for Brent Venables and his staff, massive recruiting wins over some of the USC you wouldn't put in that same category, right, with a, a Georgia-Alabama. They don't, though they're going to be probably one of the chief challengers out West, you would think, right, going forward. So you just start thinking about some of the recruiting wins potentially for Oklahoma and probably now seemingly likely in this class for Oklahoma. You're beating Alabama. You're beating Georgia. You're beating USC legitimate contenders or roadblocks potentially out of the West. And then, you know, definite national championship picture for Georgia and Alabama. And Oh, by the way, what it means for OU in this class nationally in the rankings and what it means in terms of what you did last year in a recruiting class and what you're going to do this year in a recruiting class. So man, it is uh yeah, it's, it's hype season right now on the recruiting trail. We said, wait, baby, wait until June, wait until July. And now, uh, now it's starting to go that way for Oklahoma. Yeah. And Jen Kane, you're absolutely right. We don't have them yet and they're not signed yet, but man, we, we're all optimism here. I believe that once they, they commit, you're going to see them signed and everything is pointing to Taylor Tatum committing. I mean, Josh, you're absolutely right. Like the wins that Oklahoma is getting, they're big time recruiting wins, you know, to pull a Davin Mitchell or Devon Mitchell out of Southern California, Los Alamitos were, you know, Lincoln Riley's had some recent success as well with uh, Makai Lemon and Malachi Nelson. You know, there's ties there. And Lincoln Riley went to California hoping to be able to kind of dominate the state and to get Davin Mitchell or Devon Mitchell, sorry, out of that state matters. Now, yes, I know he's got the ties to Michael Hawkins and Allen. That that's huge. And then to be able to go and get the number one running back in the class, absolutely huge. And Taylor Tatum and, you know, you're gonna, you're not gonna win them all, but you got to win some of them, and you got to win some of them on both sides of the football. For all the good that Lincoln Riley did do, he just didn't win enough of these big time recruiting battles on the defensive side of the ball. He, I mean, yeah, they had good players, but they weren't there weren't enough difference makers at all three levels of the defense for them to be a serious national title contender. I mean, you had great players, Nick Bonito was one of them, Ronnie Perkins, another great one. Um, I'm sure I'm going to blank on somebody, but you know, there were really, really good players individually, but it just, the collective was never good enough defensively. Well, now with Brent Venables, with Jeff Levy, you're going to be able to pull blue chip talent from both sides on both sides of the football. That's going to make you a more complete football team and give you a legit chance to actually contend for a national title down the road. They may not be national title contenders this year, but 25, 26, I mean, as these recruiting classes stack up and you start seeing the 2023 guys, the Adipoja Adabare and the Jackson Arnold, you know, those guys start to really set in and take the lead for this team and be the, the front of this or the face of this team. I mean, that's going to be huge for this team and it's going to allow them to become actual national title contenders. Whereas, I mean, the talent, they have some good individual players. Danny Stutzman's one of them right now. You know, Ethan Downs, a preseason all big 12 selection. He's one of them. But again, the collective has to continue to improve. But with what Brent Venables and his staff are doing on the recruiting trail, it's going to get there. It's just a matter of how long does it take to get there and what do the results look like on the field before they get there? What would just uh, individually, and, and you know, there's other names in terms of dates coming up. Raggins, uh, somebody, uh, somebody asked this question, Hank, is this class really going to have five wide receivers? Well, you know, maybe, but let me, let me ask you this before we get to some of the other sort of dates to know Poe, by the way, uh, July 12th, that sounds like it's going away from Oklahoma. But uh, before we talk about other names that are trending toward Oklahoma and dates that are sneaking up on us, Williams Winery, I, I know that there's been, so much in this class made about David Stone and what his individual eventual commitment and hopefully signature would mean for Oklahoma. It's Williams Winery now, John, that I'm looking at on three's rankings that they just released. Talk about the number one overall player in uh, Williams Winery. I mean, he, uh, he looks like a natural, smooth pass rusher. He just avoids blockers. I know that sounds so 
simplistic, but when you watch his tape, it's uh, it's skillful. It's not even just athletic. It's skillful the way that uh, he he avoids blockers. He looks like a number one overall player. So it's not, you know, not been a lot of instances where Oklahoma has landed the number one overall player nationally if and when that happens. Uh, Adrian Peterson, right? And, uh, I, I mean, that that might be it for Oklahoma if williams Winery stays there. So just individually Winery, the importance of that commitment, that signature, if OU gets it. It's huge. I mean, it, it's – it creates a trickle down effect. You know, we talk about a lot of times who are the, the gravity, you know, changers for a recruiting class. I think Jackson Arnold was very much that for the 2023 cycle. You get Jackson Arnold on board early and it allows the, the offensive recruiting to really take off. Well, the same could be said for Williams Winery. And I even think, a, you know, a Davin, a Devon Mitchell, I think having him early or having him reclassify and become part of the 24 class. I think that matters too, but Getting Williams Nunarian, I do think that that kind of changes the gravity a little bit and maybe opens the door for guys like, you know, Dominic McKinley, who, that, you know, the Louisiana native who most people think is going to be really, really difficult to pull away from LSU. Maybe you can get, you can get him now because you're not only loading up with David Stone, but you're loading up with Williams Nunari and Nigel Smith and David Stone and maybe a Danny Okoye. Like maybe it just kind of creates this, this pull for everybody that like, Hey, you know what? We see what George is doing with all that defensive talent, talent begets talent. The more talented players you play with, the better chance you get to shine. And if you, if you're Williams or Nary, or you want to play with a guy that's as good as Williams or Nary, then you're in good shape. Like go to Oklahoma. You want to play with a guy as good as David stone. You want to go to Oklahoma. And that's what Brent Venables and Todd Bates are creating. Having the number one player in the class that matters. I mean, Everybody's going to see it. It gives you positive buzz and it gives you positive, you know, recruiting buzz. You know, they're, they're create, they've, they've really done a good job already defensively with guys like Jeremiah Newcomb and Jaden Hardy, uh, James Nesta. I mean, they've got blue chippers already, but nobody that's going to create the, like I said, the gravity that's going to pull others to them like a David Stone or a Williams Nunnery. And I really do think both of those guys, they will be big time, you know, gravity changers for Oklahoma Sooners defense, not just on the field, but on the recruiting front as well, because they, I mean, everybody follows these guys. Like everybody is following their recruitments. You know, we're all kind of sitting on pins and needles, just seeing what they're going to say next. And, and so I think, yeah, the, if Oklahoma is able to pull off Williams and Neri and David Stone, man, that's, that's critical. It's key. And it creates so many good vibes and creates a lot of, um, you know, potential momentum for them as they look to finish out over the next five, six months. Rising tide, rising tide raises uh, all ships. If that, right. uh, I, I don't know, or all boats or whatever the phrase may be, right? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows what it is? But, you know, you would think that that would uh, come into play a little bit, right? I mean, if I'm, if I'm Williams Winery, if I'm David Stone, if I'm Nigel Smith, if I'm McKinley, heck yeah. I, I mean, I, I get the wanting wanting the the access to to play straight away and snaps and that's attractive but you know part of what makes georgia defensive linemen great is they're surrounded by other great georgia defensive linemen my job is immensely easier tonight because john williams is in the booth right <laughs> john's job tonight is immensely easier because josh helmer is in the booth and and so on and so forth goes for Everybody in this class, everybody that was in the last class up front for Oklahoma defensively and anybody that would be in this class for Oklahoma defensively and hopefully beyond. It does feel like Oklahoma has some uh, legitimate momentum here. Fan base, man, has been pining for it. Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, enough already, and really probably more Todd Bates than Miguel Chavis. It's time to deliver. Well, feels like uh, the delivery is uh, heading Oklahoma's direction here uh, of late, which we we thought there was a good chance, but uh, if saying nuts, candy, and butts or whatever for we'll all have a holly jolly Christmas, you gotta deliver. 
Yeah. And hopefully this Christmas, uh, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis do deliver. But I do think like you get a guy like Adepoja Adabare who is creating a lot of buzz this spring. And I think that creates more buzz for future recruiting classes. The same will be said for Williams Moneri and David Stone, you know, next spring as they're kind of starting to stand out a little bit, it'll create buzz for the 2025 guys as well. So yeah, it's, Mm, such a good time right now because this is the time where Brent Venables and his recruiting team shine because they want to get these guys you know committed, locked up, so to speak, uh, before their senior season start. And really, after all those official visits are done, they want to they want to get those those commitments and pledges done. Um, yeah, you guys are worried about my shirt. Well, I'm worried about the skunk that climbed on his face. Uh, that is a fly that's buzzing around right now and I cannot seem to get rid of it. So thanks Eric Basham for pointing that out. Um, yeah, we're, Oh, you're talking about the beard. I think the beard. Yeah. That's the 13 day road trip beard. Um, yeah. So John, I think it's safe to say everyone has returned to locked on Sooners. Yes. With a, a chin full of wisdom and a vacation still in full swing. I mean, he has not truly returned to us just yet. He is still on vacation time, but he's delivering the heat tonight. I got to say, he's he's come in prepared. He's, maybe uh, the appearance doesn't look like he's returned from vacation, but the, the delivery has been there. So that, that that's right. That's right. As I've been co-sleeping with kids the last uh, two weeks, I've, I've had some restless evenings. So I've definitely been keeping up to date on what's going on on the phone. So it's, it's good times. Uh, Zion Reagans. That's the, another wider series we got to talk about. Um, okay. The next four star or five star to commit. I think it's Taylor Tatum. Um, Taylor Tatum is going to be your next blue chipper to commit. I think unless somebody surprises me and decides to commit in the next 11 days to Oklahoma, maybe it's Casey Poe, but looking unlikely. Uh, otherwise I think Taylor Tatum. So let's talk Zion Reagans. The, the wide receiver, the speedster out of Georgia. Um, all things look like they're trending toward Oklahoma. And somebody earlier asked the question, how many wide receivers is Oklahoma going to take? It looks like all of them. They're going to take them all because it doesn't seem like that's going to slow down any potential uh, recruitment for Terry Busey as well. The five-star athlete that looks like he's trending towards Texas A&M, but don't count Oklahoma out of it. Zion Reagans, man, you can't teach speed. And he's got it in spades. And so if you can add speed to your wide receiver core, you got to. Yes, they've got Zion Kearney. Yes, they've got KJ Daniels. Yes, they've got Dozy Azukanama. Yes, they've got Ivan Carrion. There's talk that maybe Ivan's going to switch to tight end given his size. But, I mean, you're talking about a 6'6", like 190 dude, 200 dude. You're going to have to add a lot of weight to his frame to make him an inline tight end. So I, I would prefer they go ahead and just leave him at wide receiver, let him be all Mike Evans for the Oklahoma Sooners. But you can pull five. You can take five wide receivers or six wide receivers. Let's just think about this. Who do you feel great about in your wide receiver core right now? I know I do about Jaleel Farouk. And you feel good about Jaquay's Petaway in the future. That's, that's it. Like, Drake Stoops will be gone eventually. He's, he's a good player, but he's not a transcendent player. Uh, Jaleel Farouk could be gone after this year if he has a career year for the Sooners you haven't seen anything out of Nick Anderson. You know, we love him or Jaden Gibson. We love him, but we haven't seen anything out of him. Keon Brown, your other four-star wide receiver commit from the 2023 cycle. He's gone. He's on, he's gone to the college, you know, the, the Juco route. So you've kind of, and then you're, you're looking at your guys like LV Bunkley Shelton and JJ Hester, you know, Andrew Anthony, um, Brendan Thompson, these transfer additions over the last couple cycle, you know, off seasons that haven't done anything yet. So if you're Emmett Jones, you're like, I want to stack as much talent in this wide receiver room as I possibly can. And however it turns out, it turns out if, if some of these older dudes transfer out, so be it. But that's just kind of the way it works. Like if you're not going to produce at some point, then you're going to get your job taken. And I mean, Emmett Jones, Brent Venables, they're not sitting back saying, no, we've got this kid in the 2023 cycle we really like, so we're not going to recruit anybody for 2024. No, they're trying to add as much competition to every position group as possible so that everybody is is competing and getting better and, and being challenged and the best are going to play and the best rise to the top. Well, and, you know, let's not forget that wide receiver, John, as you think about the aftermath of Lincoln Riley and the staff leaving. I mean, wide receiver is one of the positions that got hit out of the transfer portal for Oklahoma with Mario Williams, with 
with Hazelwood. So, and uh, you know, you're, you're still trying to kind of recoup a little bit of that depth and somebody that you mentioned there, the, the only name that we really confidently, uh, I, I want to feel good, right. About the potential of Nick Anderson or Jaden Gibson. I want to feel good about some of the bits and pieces we've seen and Oklahoma's willingness to try and go use LB Bunkley Shelton in uh, the cheese it bowl versus Florida state. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a sign maybe for this season, but you know, other than that, you know, it's, it's projecting maybe some potential with a lot of these guys, JJ Hester, Brennan Thompson, Andrell Anthony had a uh, one nice game versus Michigan state uh, eons ago. Right. And it wasn't here for Oklahoma. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're projecting with a lot of these names in the wide receiver room, uh, Gavin Freeman, youngster that we've seen do some good things, but certainly not on a consistent basis. So outside of Jalil Farouk, who I, I think, again, even there, if you wanted to throw it back in our direction and say, okay, well, that's not been a number one wide receiver yet for Oklahoma would be a fair point. And yet that would be the one name that you really, really feel good about. And then Drake Stoops, right? I, we, we feel like we've got proven goods with Drake Stoops, but beyond that, it's a whole bunch of unknowns. And before we see the comment, yes, DJ Graham in the mix at wide receiver. Do not forget DJ Graham when talking wide receivers. But, uh, you know, Jalil Farouk is somebody that as you think about what it looks like for Oklahoma with this 24 signing class and then beyond, Jalil Farouk's probably not going to be a part of this program, John, next season if things go according to plan for Jalil Farouk. That's somebody that's going to be drafted in this upcoming uh, 2024 NFL draft. So yeah, they need, they need wide receivers. They need as many as they can get because of, again, folks that left at the end of, uh, you know, well, when Lincoln Riley went to USC to just the fact that production has kind of been hit or miss so far with a lot of these names to uh, yeah. Jalil Farouk's probably going to be gone after this year. Yeah. They need wide receivers and it sounds like they're, you know, potentially going to wind up with a bunch of them. Well, cause even if you do have Jalil Farouk for the 2024 season, like all those guys are true freshmen. So, you know, you still have a lot of depth that you have to build up for 2025, 26. Like you're kind of starting over at wide receiver. Theo Wee's being gone like that, that hit, that hurts you. I think maybe no position was hurt more. Maybe aside from Caleb Williams leaving, no position was maybe hurt more than wide receiver because you did lose a lot of depth in Mario Williams and Theo Weiss. You lost recruiting kind of cachet a little bit with Makai Lemon no longer a part of the recruiting class. Um, you know, Luther Burden might have ended up he he might have been going to Missouri anyway, but um, the Lincoln Riley to USC thing definitely changed the the picture at wide receiver. So I mean you can afford to take as many of these guys as you want. They're all going to be on a little bit different developmental paths too. So, you know, if you have Zion Reagans and KJ Daniels, both guys with a ton of speed, maybe they're not all They're Maybe they're not ready to, to start or be significant contributors at the same time. So whether you take five or six wide receivers in a class, like it's okay because again, they're going to be on de- different developmental timelines that will, provide them opportunities to break out. Uh, just like Hank mentions here in the comments too, kind of like the three running backs. Yeah, you can you can afford to take a Taylor Tatum, Xavier Robinson, and a Caden Durham, which again, Durham's one of those players that seems to be trending toward Oklahoma because of different developmental timelines where you're not all, it's not a linear progression for every single guy. You know, Kate, Xavier Robinson might be more physically ready to play than a Taylor Tatum with Taylor Tatum split in time between football and baseball. He may not see the field early and that's okay. You've got time because of the depth that you've built up at running back. You've got time for these 2024 running backs to, to take their time and develop. Whereas with the 2024 wide receivers, you have less time because the depth isn't there unless you do hit on these transfer wide receivers, Andrew Anthony, Brennan Thompson, DJ Graham breaks out. Like if those things happen, then you feel a little bit better about where wide receiver at is heading into the SEC. But still, you need the depth. You got to have the depth at wide receiver because as we've seen teams like Alabama, like Alabama was so good because they had so much wide receiver depth, you know, Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith, like year after year after year had dudes that were just blowing by people and just creating these huge plays. LSU is another one that year that Joe Burrow went off. Like who are the names? T Higgins and um, Jamar, Jamar Chase. Thank you. Jamar Chase. Um, you know, just great, great players. Like you, 
you can't Ohio state's another one. Like they're taking as many good wide receivers as they possibly can and not sitting there saying, Oh, we can only take three. No, they're going to take as many wide receivers talented that they want because they're great recruiting schools and developing schools at wide receiver. Oklahoma is trying to become that now. Yeah. There's no problem with getting uh, a number of talented skill guys, especially when frankly, you, you know, you've seen some, some other skill guys move on and you make a good point about that LSU bunch. And you know, ironically there's, you know, a lot of people that think LSU got pretty good wide receiving core again, going into this season, but definitely Ohio state is elite in that regard. There's no harm, no foul in having five, maybe six wide receivers, but definitely four, five, six wide receivers in a class when um, when you're wide receiver needy, right? I mean, there's there's no problem in that. So now as we start looking at some of the dates sneaking up at uh, sneaking up on us, John, Casey Poe, July 12th, sounds like Alabama there. Jaden Jackson, uh, I, I don't know if anybody really has a good feel, but it doesn't sound like Oklahoma there. That'd be July 13th. Sounds like Texas, which, man, that breaks my heart. That's my favorite player in this class the whole cycle and he's going to go to Texas. I hate that. Well, let's hope that uh, some other folks out there are right because there's some that still feel like Miami for Jaden Jackson, but uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah, th- those would be the two. So then, then you get through the uh, doesn't sound like it's going to wind up being Oklahoma's in all of a sudden by uh, the first of August, John, we're talking about this Oklahoma class that right now has 12 commits with Devon Mitchell. We could be talking about 16 commits by that point, because you're talking about Zion, Raggins, his commitment date, July 18th, sounds like Oklahoma. July 21st is Tatum, his commitment date, sounds like Oklahoma. Michael Patterson McDonald, it's July 31st, sounds like Oklahoma. And then uh, Winery, right, on August 1st is the commitment date. So sounds like Oklahoma. So by the time we reconvene on this thing, and who knows in between now and then whether David Stone says, you know what, I'm ready to, who knows, maybe Winery. If Winery announces on August 1st, maybe David Stone's like, all right, the fun and games were real fun, and it was a big game, but it's time to just go ahead and announce this Crimson and Cream commitment. Maybe Winery making that decision sort of expedites that process too, and 16 commits turns into 17, and we're talking about a couple of five-star defensive linemen real quickly by the time we get to uh, right there the beginning of August. Yeah. And if uh, Kenny Hall over here in the YouTube chat is right. And man, I hope that would be right. If uh, stone commits creates a Jaden Jackson flip to Oklahoma, man, that would, that would just make my defensive tackle heart happy. Gotta love the 330 pound ready to play defensive tackles that can also rush the passer. So, I mean, yeah, you're right, Josh. I think by, you know, August one, we're looking at 16 commits in this class and it could really start to snowball from there because we really haven't seen the offensive line stuff take off just yet. Eddie Pierre Louis is, is one of the guys out of South Florida, out of the Tampa Catholic um, area that, I mean, that's a guy that seems to be, you know, buzzing for Oklahoma. And if that happens, man, that's a big time interior offensive line target for the Sooners. Uh, you know, they're going to, I can't remember the other guy, the other offensive tackle, maybe, oh, never mind. I'm not going to go there because I can't Grant remember. Grant Bricks. Yeah, Grant Bricks. That's another one that, that we got to keep an eye on. Obviously, Girlfriend Watch is a big part of that one. But if they can land him, that's huge as well. So, I mean, the, the offensive line stuff will also come together. But there's so much focus on the defensive line for this class because we know that's going to be the thing that really helps Oklahoma take that step into the SEC and become what we hope is going to be a legitimate year-in, year-out contender in the SEC, especially on the national title front you got to have it up front on the defensive line. You got to have it up front on the offensive line and both places are going to get there. It, there's just maybe a little bit less buzz right now about the offensive line, but man, defensive line, you got to love where it's heading because again, you got Nigel Smith who seems to be tracking, tracking toward Oklahoma as well. We don't know a commitment date on that yet. Danny Okoye has had good visits with the Oklahoma Sooners. They've made a really strong impression there as well. You know, there's no telling where it could all end up. You know, Dominic McKinley is not outside of the realm of possibility. Anything's possible. I mean, we we know Brent Venables can coach defense. We know Todd Bates can coach defensive tackles. Miguel Chavis is showing that he can recruit defensive ends and he can even coach them up a little bit too. You know, Ethan Downs, a preseason Big 12 um, selection, you know, his first year as a starter last year was arguably one of their better defenders. Was it a great season, a transcendent season? No, but he really came on strong toward the end of the year. So 
you kind of like Miguel Chavis and what he's able to do just developing players and people and building relationships. So you really, I mean, you got to love where all this is trending to and, and it's on both sides of the ball, but especially it's on defense where they really have to make some hay in this recruiting class to set themselves up well for the future. Well, and you know, some folks uh, said it, I forget who said it at the beginning, but when we're talking hashtag flip season, Oklahoma, how well they perform in 2023. Yeah. Probably going to help you a little bit. I mean, if we're talking about all these different things happen in a lot of these commitments and Oh, by the way, Oklahoma's back to winning the big 12 conference in 2023, John, I mean, yeah. Some of the flips that could be on the board for Oklahoma too. The, uh, the only thing I would say about offensive line for Oklahoma, clearly that's the, the piece of the puzzle that, right now doesn't feel like it's gone well across the board outside of Isaiah Autry, right? You'd like to make some hay there. The only thing I can say about that is from a positive direction to not hit the panic button is, okay, well, you did just land Walter Rouse out of the transfer portal, right? So that's a name that we'll see how it transpires. Let's see how it plays out with Guyton. You've landed – potentially legitimate NFL guys out of the portal if things go according to plan or the way that people feel they can they can go. I don't know that there's a whole heck of a lot of that happening. Now, there's been a nice little overhaul that we're excited about a defensive tackle and defensive end for Oklahoma out of the transfer portal. I don't know how many top-flight NFL guys you're getting out of the transfer portal along the defensive line. Maybe you can do some of that with the offensive line, they need to hit on uh, some of these other big, uh, big targets. And maybe some of those flips we're talking about, maybe, uh, maybe a bricks, maybe an Eddie Pierre, Louise, some of these offensive line guys, if all of a sudden all of this comes into fruition, the way we're talking about, and the season goes great for Oklahoma, maybe these offensive line targets that it doesn't look like are trending Oklahoma's direction. Maybe they swing back around to Oklahoma when things are looking really, really good. But the good news there is if that doesn't happen, Bill Biedenboe in Oklahoma, they've shown us they, they can clean up in that regard in the transfer portal and get pretty solid play up front out of the transfer portal. I don't think you can make a long-term living doing that, but Oklahoma, for at least one cycle, I think maybe can get away with it again. Well, yeah, they, they did a good job, you know, landing Wanya Morris out of the cycle and turning him into a, you know, a draft pick. They did the same thing, you know, McKay Matire, he's been a solid player at guard for him. You're hoping to get the same thing or better out of Walter Rouse at left tackle. So that's, yeah, I think you're right. You can find kind of NFL talent along the offensive line, but you're not necessarily going to find that all the time on the defensive line. Now you did so in Ronda Bothroyd. I'm, I'm still bullish on him going to be a top 100 pick in the 2024 NFL draft, just based on the production. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just a matter of you got to find those blue chip players and develop them on the defensive line and the offensive line. But like you said, they've, they've shown the proclivity to be able to pull offensive linemen out of the portal. Bennett Warren um, was the other uh, offensive line that I was thinking of that Oklahoma is training in a, fo- a favorable pool direction for um, out of Sugarland, Texas, offensive tackle, four-star player in 2024. So like, although there hasn't been as much buzz for some of these guys, I think most of that is just because we're so focused on Winery and Stone and Jackson and McKinley and Nigel Smith and Okoye. We're so focused on the defensive line that the offensive line is kind of flying under the radar a little bit, or that the running back Taylor Tatum is creating so much more buzz because of of the recruiting battle that it is USC versus Oklahoma or you know, Devon Mitchell, like all these things are creating so much more buzz that offensive lines kind of flying under the radar. And maybe we're just also less worried about it because we know, and we trust Bill Biedenboe as a developer that he's going to find good offensive linemen. Um, it's just a matter of time. So Kenny Hall saying Warren told Hawkins, he's not going to OU. Well, that's a bummer, but um, I'll have to find that out and, and, and see where that's at. But uh I wouldn't, I wouldn't count them out of any recruiting battle on the offensive line just because of Bill Biedenboe. So, you know, there's time to make up ground in that recruitment before he commits. Well, and again, I mean, that, that's just to our point. Warren is – and that's, that's why, again, everything's going great for Oklahoma. The, the on-field success will matter because you don't want this thing to, to fall apart on itself. I don't think it's going to, though, man. It just feels like there's so much momentum, regardless almost of what happens again this season of Oklahoma. I, 
clearly it's going to help, right? I mean, you'd rather win double-figure games and you want to go beat your arch rival in Texas and you want to go win a Big 12 championship on the way out. I think that, that that just sets the stage for you to work some of these flips potentially for Oklahoma or lock in definitively these commitments that we feel like Oklahoma is going to earn. But even without that, man, I just it just feels like there's such a belief, and, I, and deservedly so, understandably so, for Brent Venables and for this staff, for Jeff Lebby, for up and down, whether it's Miguel Chavis or Todd Bates. Yeah, I'm buying into what these guys are selling because they've got track records that they can take a program there and, and get it to the top of college football, whether that's Jeff Lebby as an offensive coordinator, has directed some of the nation's top offenses. Not, you know, a, a good year one, but certainly you wouldn't say – top offense nationally in Oklahoma last season, but has done it before, right, at Ole Miss. We don't need to go down Brent Venables' uh, track record. Everybody here is well aware of Brent Venables' track record. Miguel Chavez, a big part of that. Todd Bates has had a track record of finding uh, top-flight defensive tackles and getting them to the league. So kind of, you know, you, you want to win, and it's important, obviously, and it would put Oklahoma in a better uh, foot-forward situation. But it almost kind of feels like the momentum, John, is they're going to land a, a great class regardless. And if they go out and play great, then, okay, wow, it could be a historic class for Oklahoma. If they've shown us anything in the year and six or seven months that they've been in Norman, it's that they can recruit. You know, a, the number eight class in the 2022 cycle with, what, two months on the job, the number – five class or number four class, sorry, in the 2023 cycle, less than, or a little more than a year on the job. And things seem to be trending toward another top 10 at the, at the floor, probably looking at another top five class in this next cycle too. Now it's just a matter of everything starting to put to get, be put together on the field. And, and I think you and I are both pretty optimistic that that's going to happen this year, that, you know, nine wins is not unreasonable. Going to the big 12 title game is not unreasonable either. And if you can, you know, avoid multiple losses in big 12 play and you win the big 12 title, you're going to put yourself in a position to go to the college football playoff. Now, whether they are able to do that, depending on what else the, the rest of the nation looks like, I mean, they're going to have a chance now. Will they do it? We'll see. Some things got to get better offensively. We've talked about that, but I think defensively they're going to make su such significant strides that they'll put their offense in a better position in games and not have to, you know, be clutch every single time in the fourth quarter like they had to be last year and just weren't. So it, it's it's all looking good. It's all looking positive for the Oklahoma Sooners on the recruiting front. And man, I cannot wait to see how the next few weeks transpires because all of these dominoes are going to start to fall. The, the splashes are going to be tremendous we're going to be having you know typhoons in norman oklahoma because of the the williams Nunary splash and david stone splash like that's all going to be big big time so uh any other thoughts on the recruiting stuff before we kind of hit on some of the comments or final topic that we had tonight well i think that segues us right into what we have on the board as well which is okay yeah this season obviously you know again how much of an impact is it going to have on the recruiting trail for Oklahoma? I think it's going to be a successful signing class regardless, but again, maybe it could be a historic class if Oklahoma's back to be in Oklahoma. So with that at play and that as a backdrop for this season itself, we did get our first peek at the, well, the, we got our look at the big 12 media preseason bowl. W what did, uh, what did you make of Texas up top, 41 first place votes, uh, Kansas state second. I forget how many first place votes they got. 14, you know, I think, I think it was 14. Okay. That sounds right. And then Oklahoma and Texas tech, Oklahoma third, Texas tech fourth, each with four first place votes, TCU third or uh, TCU fifth with three first place votes. So just the top five. I mean, what do you make of, what do you make of all of that for OU for Texas and can Texas, my question, John, can they handle the hype train? Welcome to uh, a season where, Huh? You're Oklahoma. Congratulations. Welcome to the party. Can you live up to it? Yeah. You know, that's basically how I voted in my big 12 preseason poll, at least in the top four as I had Texas, Kansas state, Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma only had third just as kind of more of a prove it a little bit. You know, I, I need to see them do, do better offensively and defensively to really believe they're going to be a big 12 title contender. I think they're going to be one. I just got to see it on the field, Texas. Yeah. I mean, 
they bring it back. One of the better quarterbacks. They're bringing back the best wide receiver core, arguably in the nation, maybe uh, with Xavier worthy and Isaiah Nayor and um, AD, AD Mitchell. No, not AD Mitchell. Um, anyway, Adonai. yeah, Adonai Mitchell. Thank you. Jatavian uh, Sanders. Like this is a really good receiving group and we know that they'll run the ball. Well, they just usually do offensive line is going to be in a good spot. It's a matter of, can they replace the dudes that they had at defensive tackle? Cause they lost some really good players up front along their defensive line, a really good player into Marvin Overshone. They're going to be really good. Kansas state. I still think Will Howard is an ascending player. He showed that last year. I was shocked at his performance last year based on what we saw from him in 2021. He's a player that's continuing to grow and, and be on the rise. Uh, so I had Oklahoma third, Texas tech right behind him. I might've had Baylor ahead of TCU just cause I'm not a believer in what that's sorry. I'm, it's not that I'm not a believer in Chandler Morris. I think he's a good enough quarterback to put up yards and points. I just don't know if he's going to be as clutch as Max Duggan was this year. And then, yeah, Oklahoma state, that one first place vote is kind of shocking. Um, I, I'm, I gotta, I gotta say it was a Oklahoma state beat writer or just somebody trolling um, Cowboys fans a little bit because I don't get how you put, you know, Oklahoma give Oklahoma State a first place vote at all in this one, but that that looks about right to me. And as far as Texas goes, man, this is the biggest we'll see season for them. Like if they're ever going to achieve anything under Steve Sarkeesian, like everything is laid out perfectly for them to do it this year. And if they don't, it's going to be a huge disappointment. And I mean, even if they get to the Big Twelve title game and lose. I think a lot of people might still be pretty pissed at Sark for not winning the Big 12 title. You had a great opportunity last year in Oklahoma's worst season since 1998, and you couldn't even make the title game. And you gave Oklahoma an opportunity to reload. And if you can't win it again this year before going to the SEC, it's going to be tough sledding once you get there. And Texas, if they're not able to win the Big 12 title, one, everybody's going to have a lot of fun at their expense. And two, it'll be a wasted opportunity because the, the league is so questionable from two to 14 that they, they should run away with it. Like there's, you know, they might lose to Alabama, but there's no reason for them to not go through the big 12 slate undefeated. If they lose a game like the Texas tech, that'll be a big upset. If they lose to Baylor, huge upset, Houston, something like that transpires. Like that would be so big and it might put Sark so like his his seat might be so hot at that point that no matter what happens the rest of the season he might not get off it but I mean everything's laid out for him yeah they have a tougher schedule than Oklahoma but they're a better team than Oklahoma on paper at least now it comes down to can they do it I don't know I had this thought the other night when I was kind of laying in bed wide awake with you know one kid on on my side and the other kid snoring in the other bed in the hotel just wondering like okay Texas beat Oklahoma 49, nothing going into this game. Are they going to overlook the Sooners a little bit? Because a lot of those guys are back and they're like, Oh, we got Oklahoma 49, nothing last time we got this. It's not going to be no problem. Don't do that. I know you're not listening, but that would be a mistake to overlook Oklahoma because they're, they're a different team this year. They're going to be a much, much better team this year. Dylan Gabriel is going to be available for the game this year. And if he's not, you got a much better backup in Jackson Arnold that is going to be able to put some points on you if you're not careful. But I think that that's a, that's going to be a potential trap game for the, for the Longhorns just based on what happened last year and that being in everybody's memory. And I say just the opposite. I say absolutely take Oklahoma for granted and sleepwalk into that game. And it's Texas. You know what? You are tremendous. Oh, my gosh. What a terrific close loss again at Alabama. You are clearly the Big 12 favorite. There's no reason for you to respect Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl. Mm -hmm. And the eyes of Texas have been blackened again, baby. Good night, Quinn Ewers. So come on down here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Come on into the Cotton Bowl feeling really confident and good about yourselves, and then Oklahoma will remind you who uh, Oklahoma has been in this conference and how this rivalry versus Oklahoma has gone when, I don't know, Oklahoma has its starting quarterback for the game. So, yeah, come on in. Come on in a little uh, cocky, a little arrogant. That'd be just fine by me. But you're right. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the expectations goes for Texas. And, you know, expectations are a funny thing. You – 
You love Steve Sarkeesian. You love the momentum for Texas going into this thing. You feel really good about Quinn Ewers and his development. And you feel good about uh, what's coming down the pipeline with Arch Manning and on and on and on until Oklahoma reminds you that Oklahoma's typically won that game of late in the Cotton Bowl. And, oh, by the way, Oklahoma goes and wins the Big 12 championship. And Texas flops like Texas has typically flopped in the last 15 years since they went and played for a national championship. So if all of those things happen for Texas, it would take a perfect storm of mediocre. But I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility that Texas is looking for a new head football coach if all of those things happen this season for for UT. Don't know that that's going to happen for Texas. Obviously, they're talented. There's a reason that, you know, we can I can say what I just said a second ago and poke fun at Texas, but there's a reason that they've got five guys on the the Big 12 preseason team. It's a talented football team when you look at the the skill position and obviously there's an offensive lineman that they like and the defensive player of the year that folks like and Jalen Ford. But again, having a couple of talented pieces and then having a head coach in Sarkeesy and putting all those pieces in place to go be best positioned to week after week, be consistent and successful. That's a different thing. Texas has had talent. They just don't put it together, John. So we're going to see if they can put it all together, if Quinn Ewers can take another step, and if they can legitimately live up to expectations. Because, I mean, you tell me, 2009, I guess, would be the last season that Texas, yeah, lived up to expectations. They haven't done it in 15 years. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And this is a team that, as Jimmy Cutter says here on, on YouTube, UT is always better than OU on paper. And if you talk to them, they're always better than any NFL team. It's true. You know, you, you look at the recruiting classes. They generally recruit better than Oklahoma. Talent-wise, the talent is always better than, than Oklahoma's. But what's been the difference is coaching. You know, Bob Stoops. And listen, we can trash Lincoln Riley. He coached Oklahoma to some big wins over Texas when he couldn't recruit defense. Um, they had big offensive wins. Uh, so this is a team that, yeah, is going to, is going to, again, it's going to be a different team that Oklahoma's rolling out there with a better quarterback situation, with a much better defense, Reggie Pearson, Rondell Bothroyd, Desan McCullough, uh, and improving Justin Harrington, an improving cornerback group. I think it's going to be a much more physical team. You know, we saw signs of it in the spring game last year, in the spring game a year ago, we saw signs of it in the non-conference, but it didn't really play out. I think the totality of this team is going to be much more physical and play with a much different edge than what we saw a year ago. They're not going to be playing hesitant. They're not going to be getting bullied around as much. They're going to be, they're going to be the bullies. We're going to see this team take on the role of the bully defensively. And that's going to be a a big difference than what Texas saw a year ago in the cotton bowl. I mean, when they rolled into the cotton bowl, I just don't know if Oklahoma really had much belief in themselves last year. Now those guys might tell you different, but, you know, defensively, it started off strong. But then once the floodgates opened, they couldn't really do anything. Offensively, they had nothing. They just really had nothing that whole game. And I, I don't know. And, and we talked about it this time last year that it just wasn't a, a great setup for anybody to have success. I don't know if the coaches put them in the best mind frame, mindset for them to have success. I think that's going to be very, very different this time around. Let's hope so, right? Because, I mean, it just feels – because Oklahoma lost it and and in the fashion that Oklahoma lost it, where it was demoralizing and Oh, by the way, there's these expectations for Texas and on and on and on all of the pieces of the puzzle that connect together. It, uh, it feels like a, a larger or as large of an OU Texas game as we've seen in some time for Oklahoma. Again, the paramount in the, you know, the, the, importance of that game how paramount it is it's always big but this one because of the fashion that you lost last year is even you know kind of ratcheted up another notch because the sec all right we see you guys we'll, we'll be moving in next door here in just a little bit all right I'm on the phone with the movers as we speak because of all of that yeah i mean it's it's a huge oklahoma texas game and there's going to be a lot to come out of Big 12 Media Days this week that we'll touch on. Uh, we'll hear what Brent Venables has to say, what some of the players have to say. Uh, we'll keep you going all week long here on Locked on Sooners. We'll have coverage for you on the recruiting front if commitments happen. We'll do that here. So make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. We're free and available on all platforms. Again, free and available. If you like what we do here, the best way for you to support us 
hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, go to Apple, go to Google, go to Spotify, write a review, give us a five-star rating. That's the best way to support our show here on Locked On Sooners. And we appreciate everybody that joins the chat every Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. It always is a lot of fun for us to watch what's going on in the chat while we're you know discussing some things. You guys have a great time. Uh, and we, we appreciate the way that you all have a great time in that chat. It's, it's just good discussion. Nobody's getting onto each other about stuff. It's fantastic to watch. And, and he gives us great talking points to touch on as well. So it's a, it's a lot of fun every Monday night, 9 p.m. Central time. Make sure you're here for it. Make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref. You can follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams. The show is at locked on Sooners. Again, follow the show, subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcasts until next time. He's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then. And we say boomer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.